0: To maritime adcast the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the maritimes we will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local regional and national guests as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events
1: atlantic stockyards limited has been atlantic canada's major livestock market for over 60 years the stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central canada Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits, and poultry all featured. Additional information, such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates, and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com.
0: So today we've got producer Ashley and multiple Maritime Magcast participant Amy Higgins with us, Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about season one and and how we thought it went and what we can look forward to upcoming season two in early September. So ladies, thanks very much for uh, agreeing to sit in on a jabber with me.
2: Well, thanks, Brad. I'm very happy to join you again.
0: Yeah, Amy, I mean, you liked participating so much. You've gone out and started your own VBP Plus podcast, and I hope that's strictly with my inspiration.
2: I literally put that funding application in the minute that I was done being a guest on your particular podcast?
0: I bet you you did. So just just for anybody that isn't familiar or hasn't had a chance to listen to all the episodes, you know, this is a, a really dumb dream I came up with a couple of years ago when I was traveling. And, you know, as we try to reach more and more producers across the region and get on as many platforms as we can, I said, hey, we should do a podcast. And then, you know, we were so busy doing other stuff that we just never got around to it. And then bam, COVID hit us in March of 2020. And now all of a sudden, if we weren't traveling to workshops, uh, we had the time to launch this podcast for everybody. So yeah, thanks very much to both of you, especially Ashley for for being such a big part of this uh, little dream I've had. I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, getting this whole thing set up. And I think one of the things, not to bore me to death, but was kind of the technical side of, of this. So You know, Ashley, we've used a couple of different platforms on trying to record these. And how difficult is it from your side to manage the technology using, knowing that we're not set up for high quality audio and, you know, in a recording studio?
1: Um, when you first had the idea to start the podcast I was thinking how is this going to happen how are we going to do this so shout out to Perennia because they were who we reached out to where they had their Orchard Outlook podcast already going on Um, we reached out to Rachel over there and she was a wealth of knowledge and sent us to Mike at Podcast Atlantic who then gave us all the details of how to actually get this thing up and running So without him, that would not have happened because I was very confused. We met and went through, this is how you edit. This is how you do all of that. Uh, We were doing our recordings originally through Microsoft Teams. Uh, We ended up switching to Zoom just because it seemed to be a little more user friendly, especially for people who were using it on their phones versus having the laptop or the desktop set up. So yeah, now we do our recordings through Zoom. We just save them as audio on the computer, convert them over from an MP4 to an MP3, and then edit the process through there.
0: I definitely appreciate the, the work that Ashley does on this because I'm not a Luddite when it comes to technology, but I'm definitely not the most tech savvy, especially when it comes to, to new technology, we'll say. Amy, from being on the podcast and you know now that you've got your own, you know, what do you see as the value in sharing information on this type of platform?
2: So, yeah, thanks, Brad. And I, and I would like to echo that Podcast Atlantic, and if we can give them some shout outs, because to be honest, I don't think they're charging enough for the service that he that he did provide us in terms of getting it all set up. <laughs> he was fantastic. And if anybody is thinking about starting up a podcast, that would be my first call. The National VBP Plus Verified Beef Production Plus Coordinators Group had started to, again, adjust and adapt because of COVID, and there were less face-to-face meetings, and we had thought about how to do some outreach. There was more value that we thought we could add, and we had started with a webinar series last year um, through the winter, just with different topics that were related to beef production, and just so happened to also hit Verified Beef Production Plus pillar. So as we talked about the success of the webinar series, and actually the maritime producers had a very high participation rate in those web- the webinar series, which got us to thinking about some of the survey results that were coming from some tech transfer surveys. That podcasts were were one that people were looking for information for, and from a maritime perspective, it may just be because. And I've lived in Western Canada before. The eight eighty AM station doesn't have agricultural reports necessarily or agricultural content which if you turn on a local radio station in western Canada you get all of these agricultural reports so that was one one thing that we thought especially from the maritime perspective or from an eastern perspective that we would like to bring that bring that forward in a podcast format so that people weren't tied to a webinar they could put it on in their truck if they were driving from place to place it's a little bit more flexible than, than a recorded webinar. So uh, I think the medium is pretty good and it keeps things fairly informal, just producers talking to producers or extension agents sort of a little bit more informal than a, than a presentation per se. I,
0: I think that's really what got me into podcasts because I, I travel a lot for work and for anybody that's seen the FCC article about the podcast and a, and a couple of other podcasts, it's a way to consume information that doesn't require a specific schedule, right? So, you, you know, when I travel to New Brunswick for some work, I'll download my seven hours worth of podcasts and I'll, I'll just listen to them. And it's just, it's so easy to consume that I, I think that's really what makes, and it archives it. Unless it was a BCRC webinar, not a lot of webinars were being recorded to be consumed afterwards. But COVID, I think, has really made a positive change. You know, whether it's a podcast or we just did a webinar the other night around our our preconditioning project. So you do the presentation once and it's available for people to to view at any time. And, you know, from an organizational point of view, it's a lot less time we spend giving the same presentation. A great example is this year our cattle zone meetings in January, we were able to combine a couple of them, uh, have them all in one night. We pre-recorded the session. So I wasn't driving myself crazy by the third night feeling like I was in Groundhog Day giving the same presentation over and over and over mm-hmm. again. But I think we're definitely in a in a new realm. And I think if I look at kind of our listener stats, you know, probably 30 to 35% of our producers are 28 to 34 years old. And it's kind of like a perfect bell curve that the majority are between 23 and 45. But it doesn't exclude people from outside of that range. Like it's it's a way that I think everybody can consume information.
1: And they're yeah. all from
2: Earth. that's the nice thing too it does tell us that we've launched our preview podcast but we haven't gotten to our like actual content pod first podcast should be released by the time you guys release this but so you guys get a lot of that data and the metrics back
0: yeah yeah for sure so it's not like we're racking up millions of listens of those episodes but you know i get pretty excited when we get to four or five new listens every day and like ashley says we can see where our listeners are from, which is great. Uh, we can see what platforms they're using, their gender, their age, which helps us obviously identify potentially some topics that we want to talk about. So looking forward a little bit to season two, you know, based on our listeners, we're going to have a women in ag and, you know, the importance of family and agriculture and farming. Um, we're going to have a couple of episodes that are very focused on young and young farmers and new entrants. So it helps us give a little bit of insight uh, in there as well. Um, You know, we can see individual listens on each episode. There's this really cool thing where it gives our estimated audience, which is basically the amount of people that have listened over the last seven days, the amount of unique listeners over seven days. So I'm also a data nerd. So I put a lot of the stuff in a spreadsheet and try to figure out how we we enhance it as well.
1: The nice thing too, is I think it also tells us per episode where people started dropping off. So where someone may have listened. And then all of a sudden, if you see that, a large majority were starting to drop off halfway through or three quarters through. Okay. That's good to know too, because maybe that was a topic that wasn't as interesting potentially as something else
0: that was offered.
2: There was a sharp decline when Amy Higgins was introduced. (laughs) You're
0: assuming they listened at all. I can still remember it was probably the second or third week of January. We were looking, Ashley and I were looking at some listening stats and I was super bummed out. Like we were only getting like 30 or 35 listeners an episode. There were a couple uh, that were a little bit more popular, but I was like, you know, we're putting a fair amount of time and energy. It takes about an hour to record a 40 minute episode. And then Ashley spending probably an hour trying to coordinate schedules to get everybody on an episode and then time recording. I'm going, well, why are we doing this? We, we talked about it a little bit and I went, wait a minute. If we had an in-person workshop, we only get 15 people. When you put it into perspective of everything, it actually makes a lot of sense. You've just doubled your listenership. Exactly. And still only put, well, for me, still only put about an hour's worth of effort. When you put things in perspective, that helps quite a bit because I was bummed, but not so bad overall.
1: I think that one of the really cool things too, is that we must have people that are maybe they caught on to the podcast late because you can see that now our first podcasts that were first out those numbers are going up so you can see that maybe people aren't necessarily listening to it the week that it's that it's actually released but they are going back and listening to some of those podcasts that were maybe more fitting to them or with their farms. So it's kind of cool to go back and see that even though some of them we released fall 2020, those are still being listened to.
2: So basically some people are having like four or five hour drives that they need to fill. To, to bring, yes. to bring
1: this that must be I, what's happening.
2: And I went, to, I went to PEI for the first time since COVID maybe or last, whenever the last Atlantic bubble was. And yeah, I downloaded a bunch of podcasts, went on my merry way.
0: I think that people have, are starting to catch on. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the diversity of guests that we've had. You know, we, we focused a lot on livestock, uh, but we've done episodes uh, around the blueberry industry. and We recorded one today around farmers markets. So, you know, even though when we first started, we said, you know, we're going to do beef, pork and sheep, because that's what we mostly do here in the office. You know, it actually becomes a platform for broader information sharing and. You know, you have somebody like John Ross from the Canadian Pork Council and Linda Gurman from the Canadian Beef Cattle Checkoff Agency, and people that follow them on social media or the people that are involved with their organizations, either at the board or staff level, all of a sudden start listening to episodes. And, you know, the the listenership just kind of, I think, grows a little bit organically as well.
2: I do like that about the Maritime AgCast in general. is It's about agriculture, and that's the theme that ties it together, but I mean, I get intrigued about blueberry production as well even though I'm not a blueberry producer and probably never will be do I love eating them yes but it's it's just interesting to hear that other perspective sometimes
0: yeah for sure and I I think I owe or we owe a a lot of gratitude to those producers and industry experts that are willing to come on and talk about a topic with us Um, because without them like I can't even get my staff to listen to me damned if I'd be able to get 100 producers to listen to me at any one point right so yeah I think the the participation of the industry has really driven small air quotations popularity of of the podcast for sure
1: that's a really good point is that because you don't listen to me well I don't know but also (laughs) because we're in the agriculture industry that we're extremely fortunate to have a huge wealth of knowledge. So, we have national people who have now been on, uh, we have regional guests, local guests, and people are excited to come on. People are excited to get the information out there because they want the producers to hear the information. So, the topics are really limitless to what we can have out there. So, hopefully, this is something that's around for seasons to come.
0: For sure. And I, you know, even from our ACMA board, even taking the the updates on our listenership and some of the topics that we're covering, it's a service that we can provide to the industry that's fairly low cost, that because we work in other sectors through the advanced payments program, uh, outside of livestock, it actually, I think builds a little bit of our connection and credibility within those other sectors as well, beyond just the the beef, pork and sheep stuff we do for sure. One of the things that surprises me the the most, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about listenership here again, from early on, we had a lot of international listeners. You can go and we can get right down to the community. So, you know, 87% of our listeners are from Canada. Out of that 87, 62% are from Nova Scotia. Then we can see participation in, in others. But one of the really cool things that i found is since we started, about 10% of our listenership has been American listeners. Um, so it's kind of gone between 10 and 12%. And they're from agricultural areas. So they're from Texas, Ohio, Illinois, California. So I don't know if they're kind of stumbling upon it, but it's obvious that they're either stumbling upon it a lot or they're coming back to listen more. It's seeing those listener demographic that I think is intriguing and maybe how figuring how we tap into long range, whether it's guests or topics.
2: And the other thing, just to tag onto that, Brad, we can blame COVID for a lot of things. Um, good at good and bad, but if you looked at podcasts from 2017, even, even just pre-COVID, you were looking at podcasts in that traditional sense like you opened with in terms of needing a recording studio, having to kind of, like you were bringing guests physically in so that they could be sitting beside you doing the podcast. I'm sure that there were people doing it virtually who are both set up in different studios or or whatnot, but just the access that the average producer has to a decent microphone and video system for functioning in the last 18 months is phenomenal. And that accessibility has provided us the ability to interview a feedlot producer in British Columbia on a panel at the same time as we're talking to a veterinarian manager in Grey Bruce County, Ontario, at the same time as we're talking to a producer um, in New Brunswick. Those things are things that I don't think was as accessible even two years ago. In upcoming events. A land
1: market outlook webinar is occurring August twenty third at seven thirty p.m., featuring Ab Carroll from Atlantic Stockyards Incorporated, and Scott Dixon from Atlantic Stockyards Limited. Please register at nssheep.ca. The Nova Scotia cattle producers are introducing an on-farm preconditioning pilot project late this summer, where cattle preconditioning services will be available to members on-farm. Please visit nscattle.ca forward slash preconditioning for more information. The Purebred Sheep Breeders Association of Nova Scotia are hosting a virtual Atlantic Fall Sheep Sale on September 18th. Additional information can be found at sheepnovascotia.ns.ca. A Cattle Appreciation Day will occur October 30th at the Atlantic Stockyards Limited where free hamburgers and ice cream bars will be provided for lunch, courtesy of the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Dairy Farmers of Nova Scotia. Any updates to this appreciation day will be available at nscattle.ca and on the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers social media. The Sheep Industry Conference, hosted by the Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia, is occurring November 12th to 13th at the DeBert Hospitality Center. Registration is required in advance with a deadline of October 29th. More information, such as the conference agenda and registration form, can be found at nsheep.ca. Atlantic Stockyards Limited upcoming events will be a feeder and regular sale on August 19th. Feeder sales separate from regular sales will resume September 7th, occurring every second Tuesday throughout the fall. There will also be a sheep sale on September 4th at the Atlantic Stockyards. Please check atlanticstockyards.com for the full sale schedule. are now many Nova Scotia programs open for the 2021-2022 year, such as the Cattle and Sheep Industry Development Program. For a full list of programs, as well as applications and guidelines, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. A reminder that Maritime ACAST season two episodes will resume September 7th, so stay tuned for those.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I always say credit credit to Amy Higgins because she was the first person I ever knew that used Zoom before Zoom was cool pre-pandemic. But you're you're very much right. Like we've completely adapted to the way we communicate and it allows us to have access to conversations that we may not have had before. Uh, and I think that's great. And and I think it'll continue. I mean, I can't wait to go somewhere and shake somebody's hand that I've never met before. But until we can do that, I I think we've fared out fairly well in connecting with one another and, and building relationships that, or and maintaining relationships that uh, were, are very important to, to the industry as a whole. I, I've already alluded to the great participation uh, that we've had by producers and stakeholders. But, you know, I, I think especially we, we've dipped into the well, if you will, a couple of times. So, you know, folks like you, Amy, the perennial staff, Heather and Jonathan, you know, Cedric uh, on some of the forage stuff. We've had Ryan McCarron on a couple of times. Again, like anytime we've asked somebody to participate, I don't think we've heard a flat out no. Um, it's been an okay if if you find there's value there, but it actually surprises me the willingness of people to participate in this. And and maybe it's because they're not up in a group of folks, it's just kind of the four of us on a Zoom call, or it actually maybe puts people a little bit more at ease. Where they wouldn't participate in like a fireside chatter or a conference at a conference stuff like that. I know you're just kind of getting going, but are are you seeing that a little bit with your VVP podcast as well, or maybe even just in some of the conference stuff you've done, like are you getting people to participate that wouldn't otherwise participate?
2: yeah, there's there's definitely been accessibility things, even if it's just cost of bringing in a speaker for from a conference perspective or a specific webinar or session perspective. when I've been asking folks to participate in the podcast as a guest by and large they're very humble about what they've got to offer and so they're like well if if you want to hear from me fine but I don't know if I'm the subject matter expert and I was like well you don't really have to be the subject matter expert we just want to chat about your experience especially some of the producer side I think some of the producers don't give themselves enough credit for all of the Mm. good things that they do and, and can talk very intelligently about I am seeing a lot of that humbleness of I, will people want to hear from me and I can jabber on forever, but apparently I'm not as humble. I don't know, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. So that's what I, what I've been seeing in these first few, like first few episodes that we've been lining up guests for is, uh, yeah, everybody's been very accepting to do it. Or if they're like, well, I'm not sure I'm quite a fit for that, but if you'd like to talk about this then I'd be much more comfortable talking about that. And it's like, okay, well, we can fit that in later and make sure that we, we cover that content.
1: I think that humble is a really good way to put that too, because a lot of times we try really hard to get someone from industry and a producer on every episode. So we try to have numerous guests. Usually industry is a yes, absolutely tell me when to be there, send me the schedule kind of thing. And producers, it's not a no, they're willing to do it, but it's very much a I can get on there and I can see if I have anything to add. And they always do. They always have something that is important to say. They always have information to add personally with that, too, because the very first episode that we ever recorded was the ACMA one. So that was Brad Cara and I, and I am not a speaker by any means. I would not have got up and spoke in front of other people. No one could see me. I'm doing this right now from my office, so no one can see me. So it's fine. Um, and it was the same thing with that first episode. Plus, we also had no idea what we were doing. That was our first one that we were actually recording to make sure that it worked. And then the second one was, Kara's APP episode, which didn't actually get released until March, I don't think. But again, that was a second, okay, make sure that we get all the kinks out of the way before we actually get everyone else on here so that we don't make ourselves look bad and we can actually do this. And it worked out.
2: And because I was a guest on your podcast at at first, because what put me the most at ease, because again, like I can speak in public, it's been a skill that's been honed since 4-H days. But what made me feel a lot more comfortable was the whole being able to take it to post-production. So don't worry if you get your words jumbled. We'll be able to fix that later. Just take a stop, reset, and and continue on. So that's what I open with any of the guests. I was like, remember, don't get stressed. It's post-production. We can take any pauses out. We can't edit a bunch of ums out, which is unfortunate because that's a that's a tick of mine, but we can do that. So that, that does just introducing the post-production and how we can fix things. And like, if you do say something that's inaccurate or whatnot, like it, it can be fixed as opposed to like live television interview, go.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's very much the, the exact same thing too. Like even myself, like I would love to have a dime for every time I was recording market report and stumbled over the calf price in Quebec and to, complete, to completely start that session again, or section again, it does put you a lot more at ease. And I think especially for producers, like you say, who are humbled, usually by nature, you know, it gives them a little bit of reassurance that, you know, what they're saying isn't going to be taken out of context, that it's going to be true and how it's meant to be said. And, you know, it's not like you're being put on the spot at a conference and asked a question. You sit there and think for 30 seconds and still don't say what you want to say. I I think that adds a lot and you're right, if I can get rid of my ums and stutters and my rambling questions, sometimes I think we'd be a little bit better off but we'll uh, we'll work at that. Like you I I've been gifted the ability to talk uh, probably maybe sometimes a little bit too much. And that's why I try at least most of the time, uh, just to guide conversation and not be part of it because like I said nobody wants to listen to me anyway. Um, And that's why we have the people that know what they're talking about on with us.
1: Every time we do a recording, it's uh we'll clean it up in the editing process. So if you say something you don't want to say, there's been a couple of curse words that have had to have been removed that we didn't want to put out there. Um, that kind of stuff
0: all gets cleaned up when we're
2: editing. You guys don't put out an explicit version of the podcast?
0: It, it's really funny you mention that because we've had a couple of guests. I won't name Ryan, McCarron and Joseph Leck and all. But <laughs> you know, that we've actually talked about maybe doing a little bit edgier version. And I'm not talking an explicit version by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely something that gets into topics that are a little bit more on the fringe, or at least the ideology of a couple of topics that might be a little bit more on the fringe. You know, anybody that knows me knows that I can be as controversial or provocative as anybody. I think that we have to be a little bit careful because of some of the industries we work in, and that this isn't a privatized podcast that we have to be a little bit more cognizant of the messaging and how we convey those messages. Yeah. I I think it would be interesting. We've we've kind of laughed a couple of times about an egg after dark podcast, which I think would be kind of fun. You know, I listen to the farm for profit guys uh, out of the the Midwest and they do, they alternate weeks. So one week's a farm for profit. Another one is a farm for fun uh, where it's a much more loose conversation about kind of the farm and what's going on. But Yeah. I mean, if we could just uh, clone Ashley to give her more time, I think we would uh, do more of those or could do more of those. One one of the other things I think COVID and the pandemic has actually flooded the podcast market space. And as an economist, I'll make up the stats that 80% of all podcasts don't get past their second episode. And again, credit to Ashley and all the hard work she's done to get us to episode 24 when Ashley and I first started about actually getting up and going, we said, we don't want to be recording every week. It puts too much pressure on us to make sure that we make the time to record, make the time to edit and get it launched. So I think very smartly, we came up with the idea is to record a whole bunch of topics through the summer that weren't super time sensitive, right? So information type things and allow those to be edited so that we could release them through the winter. And then if something cool does happen or you know we need to record a session through the year, uh, it's a lot easier and the pressure isn't there because if you skip a week or you skip a session, you're more likely to skip the next session. So again, credit to Ashley for getting that schedule in place and making sure that we had lots of recordings in advance.
1: That's one thing that we try really hard to do in advance. So again, because we do so much of the, of the recordings in the summer, So like we had done a farmer's market one recently. So that's going to go out prior to Thanksgiving, planning to do a Christmas tree one very soon. That will go out in November timely for Christmas trees and Christmas in December. So same as last year when we had done the buying local one, Um, we specifically had that one go out for early December so that it got people thinking of buying local and supporting local at Christmas time. Actually gave some good gift giving ideas in it too. And then gave a little plug to the markets and producers that were on it and were talking. So scheduling is um, something that we definitely try really hard to keep in mind when we're doing the recordings and when we're planning in advance.
2: Props to you guys for giving me the insight that that was a possibility because a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are current, like they are recording on Monday editing on Tuesday, releasing on Wednesday, or whatever the case may be, But and they're doing that on a weekly or a very regular cycle, but it's because they're talking about more current events than content, like agricultural related content. So when we were talking about the Simply Verified Beef podcast that we were developing, I would never have, it would have been like, oh, I need somebody to be able to do this for 12 months of the year. So, but we've got a summer student. So that summer student is now tasked with, we're just recording a bunch of content. She is going to get the lion's share of the editing down. And then it's an easy before the regularly scheduled launch to kind of plunk in any of the relevant or insert any changes or time sensitive things before you send it off to the world. So if I, if I hadn't have known that you guys were doing that, it would have been overwhelming on my side. So thanks for that.
0: Yeah. Again, a lot of credit to Ashley for that because, you know, the, just the way our, our business operates with the groups that we work with, for us between like the 1st of November and the 1st of April, it was just 100% chaos with annual meetings, year ends, bull tests, full sale, that we knew that we wouldn't be able to do a bunch of recordings through the winter without doing those pre-recording. We probably would have only made it to Christmas time last year and that would have, would have been it. You know, we've got a summer student here too that we really lucked into that is a very creative mind and works in this space anyway. So we've got her doing a lot of our editing for season two as well. You know, So really the only thing that we have to report on a weekly basis through the winter is the time sensitive stuff like the market report and the current events. And, you know, it takes us 10 minutes on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, Ashley records that, inserts it into the episode that's gonna be released the next Tuesday, it makes it a whole lot easier and I think a whole lot more reliable as well. Definitely this year, I think there's going to be even more variation, like Ashley said, in some of the topics, which I think will be good and help us broaden uh, reaching out to those other sectors that we kind of work with on the peripheral and um, exposure to more folks. And, you know, like you, Amy, you know, I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination. I milk cows for a few years, but I use these as a learning platform for me as much as possible. Oh, Ashley provides a really great sheet in advance, and then I spend the five minutes before the recording kind of making up things that I think I might want to talk about. But for me, I, I probably learn more through this than I do through a lot of uh, other daily activities as well.
1: I think the nice thing, too, looking ahead for season two, as you kind of referenced, Brad, is that there's a lot of topics that are more broad versus very specific so the managing risks, the planning for emergencies, farm financing, all of that, which can be applied through multiple different commodities, is something we have a lot of different episodes themed towards that. Um, there's still definitely the commodity-specific ones, but I think compared to season one, there's a lot more variation that will be happening throughout season two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that goes you know to our listeners. Like we we've had people. know, I'm thinking of the one we have with our our banking friends that we recorded here a few weeks ago. You know, that just came up as a conversation they had listened to and said, hey, that's great. Is there something we can do? We're recording an insurance one or risk management one here in a couple of weeks. And again, our relationship with some of the other stakeholders is they say, hey, is there a way we can share information? And, you know, especially on the firm management side you know that's where i kind of get excited the most it is something that is across all commodities and across big and small firms and supply managed and non-supply managed like connect as many of those dots for everybody as we can cameron you're pretty quiet is there anything listening from the few episodes that you've listened to that you'd like to chime in on
2: yeah i was just going to say um, yeah thanks for having me it's nice to listen in and just get a good idea before I start editing the podcast. I learn lots of nice things while I edit them. I enjoy them. So yeah, even someone like me who doesn't know too much about all the different agricultural sectors, it's just nice to learn about them. I think other people would like to listen that aren't necessarily involved in those sections. Yeah, thank you.
0: No, thank you very much. Uh, We're very lucky to have a summer student. We got a person that has an an eye for art and ear for art and somebody that can deal with data. so I think we we lucked it out a little bit by having Cameron with us for the summer. For you folks, Amy, we'll probably have you on a couple of times this season. Uh, And if not, uh, definitely in the future. And Ashley, thank you very much again for all of your coordination and hard work on this and looking forward very much to season two as we launch in early September.
2: Well, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I'd be pleased to to do a, a dual podcast. Maybe we can get everybody on the, on the horn and release one in both platforms.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for season two. All right. Thanks, ladies, very much. And um, let's launch season two.
1: Don't want to miss any future episodes. Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform.
0: This concludes another episode of Maritime AgCast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of ArchesAudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.